surrender all to his good grace. He keeps you safe in his embrace. Today, God sets before us through the words of Jeremiah this morning. He sets before us a way of life and a way of death. A way to thrive and a way by which you won't even survive. Even if you make it all the way through life, he sets before us a way of life and of death. And I want you to understand the words that he speaks. He's speaking to the people of Israel and their city has been under siege for years. It's the third time the Babylonians have come. They're at their gates. They've been under siege for years. There is no food going in and out. And God sets before his people, just as he sets before us, a way of life and a way of death. So listen to the words of the prophet. Listen to the words of God that he speaks to his people, to his king, and to us. Jeremiah 21. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord when Zedekiah sent him to Pashur, son of Milkaijah, and the priest Zephaniah, son of Maasiah. They said, inquire now of the Lord for us because Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is attacking us. Perhaps the Lord will perform wonders for us as in times past so that he will withdraw from us. But Jeremiah answered them, Tell Zedekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I am about to turn against you the weapons of war that are in your hands, which you are using to fight the king of Babylon and the Babylonians who are outside your wall besieging you. And I will gather them inside the city. I myself, God says, will fight against you with an outstretched arm and a mighty arm in furious anger and in great wrath. I will strike down those who live in this city, both man and beast, and they will all die of a terrible plague. After that, declares the Lord, I will give Zedekiah, king of Judah, his officials, the people in this city who survived the plague, sword, and famine into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and to their enemies who want to kill them. He will put them to the sword. He will show them no mercy or pity or compassion. That's what God said to the king. This is what God says to the people. Furthermore, tell the people This is what the Lord says. See, I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Whoever stays in the city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are besieging you will live. They will escape with their lives. I have determined to do this city harm and not good, declares the Lord. It will be given to the hands of the king of Babylon, Babylon, and he will destroy it with fire. This is the word of our God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, pray, I pray, we pray, come to me that the words that I speak to your people would be true and helpful, that they would uproot and tear down, that they would build up and plant. I pray, send your, come Holy Spirit to your people, that the words they hear, that the meditation they perform in their hearts, that it would be pleasing in your sight, that you would set them on a rock, a firm foundation for their life. 
Lord God, let these words that I speak and these words that they hear be pleasing in your sight, God. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Borman family, and I'm talking about my parents and their seven kids, we, we have this unofficial motto. And, and, the, and the unofficial motto goes something like this, Bormans don't quit. Bormans don't give up. I, I remember this cheer that my mom used to do when, when I was a kid and things were getting tough. I think she did this, she did the cheer to embarrass me, but it went something like this, you can do it if you try, go Nate, go. You can, no, I'm sorry about that. I think she did it to embarrass me, but also because she wanted me when it got tough, she wanted me to press on. She wanted me to never, ever give up. And, and, and my brother and his family have actually, they're, they're, they're official this way. They have an official family values list. And one of their official values is hashtag N-E-G-U. Never, ever give up. Right? It's just something that his kids, they say to each other when something's hard, when th- something's challenging, when something's overwhelming, they say this to each other. Remember, never ever give up. It's just part of who Bormans are. It's part of our values. It's part of our inbred. It's part of what our parents taught us that we don't give up. I don't know, I don't, I don't think we're the only ones who say those kind of things. See if you can finish the sentence. When the going gets tough, the... See, we have this built into us as, as human beings, as Americans, as people who live in America, that when things are hard, we don't quit. We lean into the challenge. We lean into what's hard. We, we come at it with all the strength that we have. We, we throw out little memes, cute little memes like the cat, like, don't let go. <laughs> Hang in there. It's cute, but we're actually trying to encourage somebody to keep on. I know it's hard. Hanging on that rope over a canyon is tough, but, but keep on hanging on, right? It's, in, in fact, if we flip this around and, and go beyond the if the going gets tough, the tough get going and flip this on its head, it's a negative character trait if somebody says that you're a quitter. If you're somebody who gives up, it's like, oh, don't ask them because they won't follow through. They're, they're a quitter. They, they give up when it gets tough. Right? We don't want that kind of thing to be said of us. We want to be the kind of people who never, ever give up. Which is interesting because God told his people to give up. Did you catch it? Did you catch it in what God says to his people? Let me read it again just in case you missed it. Whoever stays in the city will die by the sword, but whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are besieging you will live. So in other words, if you want to survive, if you want to live, you've got to quit. You gotta give up. You gotta surrender. You gotta fly the white flag. You gotta walk out of the city. You gotta walk into the hands of the Babylonians. You gotta come to them. You gotta go out. Surrender is the way to life. I think we need to talk about that today. What does God mean? What does it look like? And how is this the way for us as Christians to live today? And I wanna talk about it in three ways. I'll just put the first one up there now, but surrender, I wanna talk about its cost. Don't go any further. I want to talk about its trust and I want to talk about its hope. First, its cost. I don't think it's hard for you to imagine the cost that you pay when you surrender. 
I mean, just think about what the Israelites were giving up if they were to leave Jerusalem and fly the way flag and give themselves into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. First of all, they're giving up their city. This city that David built, this palace that David built, this temple that, David, that Solomon built, this, this city where God came to dwell with his people, this temple where God's people came to meet with God, they were giving that up. That's the biggest thing they gave up. But what else did they give up? They, they, they gave up their homes. Right? These places where they live, their security, their, their, their life that they had, even though they're under siege, right now they're still losing this behind. If they leave, will they ever come back? They're leaving behind their livelihoods. They hoped, at least at this point, to be able to get back out and do some farming and shepherding again. But if they surrender, put their hands up and come out, that's all gone. And what about the relationships they might lose? Remember, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had already been torn out of Jerusalem. If they th put up their hands and they walk out, what happens to the family members who are now separated one from another and now God is saying, give up? Now God is saying, walk out of the city with your hands held high. Give yourselves into the hands of ruthless King Nebuchadnezzar. Give yourselves up to him. That's the way to live. And the Israelites are saying, whoa, no. Give up my home, my city, my church, my family, my job. Give it all up to him and have nothing but the clothes on my back and the shoes on my feet? See, surrender costs us everything. When you surrender, you give up your will. This isn't on the screen. When you surrender, you give up your will. See, once Zedekiah, Zedekiah actually, by the way, Zedekiah did not do this. But if Zedekiah had, and the people had followed him out, Zedekiah would no longer have been in charge. And I'm sure at this point in his life, Zedekiah had plans for the city of Jerusalem. He had hopes for the city of Jerusalem. He, he had a plan for things. The people had plans for their lives should they ever get out of this siege. And I don't know about you, but I've got plans I've got things I want to do. I have hopes and dreams for my family. I have hopes and dreams for this church. I have hopes and dreams for this ministry. I have hopes and dreams for this city. But if I walk out with my hands held high, I'm giving up my will to the will of another. And I'm giving it all up. And I have to set all that to the side because I'm under somebody else now. Surrender also gives up our control. And maybe control and will are, are really closely related, but let me make a distinction here. If you're in jail, you can't do anything. They tell you when to get up and when to go to bed. They, they, you don't get to turn the lights on and off. Somebody else controls that switch. You don't get con to control the temperature. You don't get to control when you get up or when you go to bed. You are at the control, under the control of any of, of, of the people over you. And so when you surrender, you give up control. You give up your will. You are under the control of the people who are over you in a, in a word, 
You're helpless. But is that not what Jesus calls us to do? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16? Can you throw this on the screen? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, that whoever wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. First, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. Is that not what Jesus calls us to do, to, to give up our will, to give up our control, and to come under him, to come behind him, to give up control of things so that he, because he is ultimately in control, because any semblance of control that we think we have is just a facade. We're not actually in control anyway. Right? See, surrender, it costs us everything. No more control. No more will. It, we're under somebody else. But now what is its trust? What does, if when you surrender, what do you trust? <laughs> I, I wonder, just think about this from the Israelites' perspective. Let me read it again. I want you to think about what do you think the people in Jerusalem felt and did when Jeremiah said this? This is what the Lord says. See, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Whoever stays in the city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are besieging you will live. They will escape with their lives. I have determined to do this city harm and not good, declares the Lord. It will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will destroy it with fire. So, what do you think the congregation did when Jeremiah said, Surrender, it'll be good. Are you kidding me, Jeremiah? Do you know who Nebuchadnezzar is? Do you know what kind of man Nebuchadnezzar is? Do you know what his kingdom has done to other kingdoms? Are you kidding me? Nebuchadnezzar is a murderer? In our terms, he's like Hitler. He's killing people. It's genocide. He's wiping nations out. You, you mean, Jeremiah, we're supposed to trust him? This one who, who ripped Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego away from us? The one who stole already the articles from our temple? You mean we're supposed to trust him? You've got to be kidding me. And I wonder how many people walked out of church that day and said, you're crazy, Jeremiah. I tend to agree with them, though. If surrender means trusting Nebuchadnezzar, you'd be fools to do such thing. But if we're being called to trust God, then we are no fools. See, I want you to think for a minute, if the people had done such a thing, and we're going to do it today, think for a minute about the things that the people of Israel knew about their God. They first knew this. He fulfilled his promises. Every promise that God had made to his people, he had kept. When God put Noah in the boat and said, Noah, trust me, I'm going to save you from this flood through this boat, through this ark, he kept him and he saved him. And when God said to his people, Israel, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt with a mighty hand, just wait and watch, wait and see, be still and you'll see. He showed them. And when God wandered with his people in the wilderness and said, I'll feed you every day, man and quail, did God ever let them down? 
And when God piled up the waters of the Jordan River on one side so they could pass by, and when God gave them the land of Canaan, just like he promised, God kept his promises. See, so first of all, God's people knew the, the completed, fulfilled promises of God. That's the first fill-in on the next part. Every promise that God had made, he kept. Every one was fulfilled. And now pile on top of that, not only does God make promises and keep promises, but God has power to do what he says. See, if God says them things but doesn't have power to do them, then his word is worthless. But because he has, makes the promises and has power to complete them, you can count on him. Uh, again, think what God did. He parted the Red Sea so Israel could go through on, a dry, on dry ground. He piled up the Jordan River. He, he, Sennacherib before this, before Nebuchadnezzar, Sennacherib, 185,000 armies strong. God wiped them out in one fell swoop. God's people knew about the unlimited power that God had. And so if we treat this a little bit like a math equation, we say we got fulfilled promises, God's been faithful in the past, plus unlimited power, we have a God that we can trust. Right, see, so when Israel submits and they surrenders to Babylon, really they're not submitting to Babylon as much as they're submitting to the word and the power of God. But there's one part of it, this yet, that Israel didn't quite know that I think makes the formula complete. Jeremiah had hints of it. The people of Israel had hints of it. They had signs and symbols. The bronze snake was a sign and a symbol. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man, all you see what's happening. See, Israel was looking in history ahead toward what was yet to come. We stand on the other side of history and we look back at what has already happened. And what's already happened is we have completed redemption. See, along the way, God's doing all these little redemptions. I'm going to redeem you from Egypt. God would redeem his people from Babylon. He redeemed them from the promised land. He redeemed his people again and again, little redemptions. But what our God has done for us on the cross is he has redeemed you to be his very own people, a people who are holy and dearly loved. It's finished. And I'm not just saying that to finish this sentence. I'm saying it because Jesus said it, proving to us, saying to us that the redemptive work of, making, of forgiving your sins and making you God's is done. And that's why we trust our God. Because he's made promises and he's kept them. He's got power to follow through. And we belong to him. We are not just some random people out there. We are the people of God who've been redeemed by him. That's what, we, that's what we trust when we surrender. And number three, what do we hope? What's the, what's the hope of surrender? I don't know that Israel had much to hope for, at least in terms of the city. Did you catch what God said? about their city, right? I have determined, God said, to do it harm and not good. That city that what happens in history is Israel does not surrender. They don't listen to God, which is a problem all by itself. 
They do not surrender. Nebuchadnezzar tears them down. Some people run away to Egypt. Zedekiah's eyes are poked out after his sons are killed in front of him. And some of the people are taken away to Babylon. They don't listen. And their city is absolutely demolished. So 70 years later, when they come back from captivity, there's nothing there. But I want you to notice something. And I think... I think God's on t- intentional on this because he doesn't want his people to hope in a building or in an, institu- in an institution or in anything else. God says, I have determined to do the city, not the people, the city harm and not good. But now remember what God says to the people, not the city, when they are in captivity. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's. Plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God intended harm and not good for the city, but for the people he intended hope and a future. God was up to something in their lives. Not only to use them, but to save them. So what's our hope? Our hope is in him. Not in institutions or in people or even in yourselves. They, you, will only let yourself down. They will only crumble and fall. They will only go to pieces around you. But your God is at work in your life to save you. So when you surrender... There is no going back. You take up your cross. You leave it behind. And you follow Jesus. There is no going back. There's only going forward into the life that our God is giving to us, being shaped by God the whole way. God keep us. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace Grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen.